if sexy goes downhill or emotional goes downhill, we end up separating from the other intimacies as well, minimizing them. We just stop touching. We stop appreciating things. We just think, oh, if somebody touches us, they just want sex. If you find that porn is stealing your time, draining your energy, ruining relationships, and robbing you of your power, it's time to take your power back. Eric Zuzak tried 12-step programs and felt powerless when they didn't work. He then discovered the power of mindfulness in combating addictions. Porn Talk is about reclaiming your power to end your porn addiction. It's how Eric transformed from powerless Eric to powerful Eric. Ready to break your porn addiction? Learn from Eric, the powerful Eric. Here's your host, Eric Zuzak. Beth, are you ready? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Welcome to Porn Talk. This is Powerful Eric. This show is not just about breaking addictions. It's about breaking belief systems. We are bound by self-imposed and societal chains. Break those rusty, nasty old chains. Get empowered right now. We have a chain breaker with us today. Her name is Beth Darling. Beth is a former divorce lawyer turned relationship guru and sexpert. She is the author of Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful Fun for Everyone. She is the former host of the ESPN radio show, Love and Laughter with Beth. And she is currently the host of the Come With Us podcast. Welcome, Beth Darling. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. Tell us your story. What's your story? (laughs) Okay, the short version. The short version, because I could go on for days. But um, yeah, I was a board-certified divorce lawyer in Texas, Houston. I ended up, I quit practicing divorce law because I don't like to fight. My first meeting with new clients was always, look, you have two choices. You can either pay your kid's college or my kid's college. (laughs) That was kind of my approach to divorce law. And uh, so, but I went into it because my parents had a terrible divorce and I just thought it has to be easier for people or it should be easier for people. And that was what I sought out to do. Mm -hmm. But then I couldn't, it just was so stressful and difficult. And so I quit that started doing divorce coaching, but ended up getting divorced myself after 23 years of marriage and 23 years of what I call BMS, boring married sex. Mm. At that point, I looked around and was like, all right, you know, my ex-husband thought that I was, that I was cold, frigid, boring, unattractive. And I just, I felt like all of that. It was like, all right, I don't want to do this. I want to date. I want to have love. I want to have romance. I want to have passionate, sexy intimacy. I don't know how. <laughs> so and what and do I do? After doing? five kids too, right? After five, five kids. Five kids. Yes. Yes. And I said, I was open-minded. Like I wouldn't judge other people. I just was so ashamed of myself, my body, my fantasies, my desires. I didn't know what to do. I say I was sort of taught that if you were smart as a girl, you were taught that you didn't need, in fact, you shouldn't be sexy. And it's only in the past 10 years that I've realized if you're smart, you realize, I want it all, right? I can have it all. Mm-hmm. But um, so my journey started, I was looking just for myself, trying to figure out where to go. And when I couldn't find it easily, then I realized this was going to be my mission was to help other people go from smart, successful, even spiritual 
to also being sexy and working with couples and coaching on that sense. So I started a retail store in Houston that was called Darling Way. That was everything fun, flirty, frisky, and fetish. I just sold that last year because while I think the world needed a retail place like that, I like the retail management. What I loved was all of the coaching, the classes, the workshops, and um, everything that I did with people. So now that is exclusively what I do is content and uh, teach and preach love. Awesome. As a former divorce lawyer, what did you learn that can save marriages? Well, the first thing I learned was that there were some relationships like mine. My marriage needed to end, right? It was actually better at the end than it was at the beginning. The waste and what I saw that really, really troubled me that I couldn't fix was good relationships that went bad because nobody would teach people how to actually keep that love alive. And I say, you know, we think, oh, love is all you need, but love as just an emotion is wonderful. It's awesome. It's brilliant. Love without action will fade away. And that's what we needed was we need the practicality of, okay, I found this person I love. I want to commit to them. I want to be married or live with them, whatever, you know, however you construct your family, I'm good with. But once you decide where your family is, then I realize nobody tells us how to actually keep that bond alive. And that's where I really have focused. Um, And I saw a lot of ways that people people pulled away. I said, I got lots of people divorced that were having good sex, but nobody was having good sex with their partner. You know, oh. when they were getting divorced, there was a lot of good sex going on and it was with other people. Oh, I was boy. like, that's wasteful. That's wasteful. So, um, especially because if you don't heal your problems, you know, you go into another relationship and 50% of the problems, they're, they're still yours. They're still there. So I think that teaching literally the practicalities of intimacy and romance and sexy and emotional connection is really what's lacking in the world today. And that's what I realized from being a divorce lawyer. How can a couple spice up their bedroom without? Mm, So many different ways. So what the problem that we have is that people get married or commit again, I'm just going to use marriage. So I don't have to keep repeating, but, uh, but any long-term committed relationship, what happens there is that we start out with this excitement and this passion, and there's a new relationship energy called NRE, oftentimes NRE, and it's intoxicating. But once part of our pursuit of this relationship is because we yearn for connection, comfort, security, <laughs> consistency, yeah. We those yearn are, are, for connection. I like how you, the word yearn, the yearn, yes. yearn for connection. And that's what I often say about addiction is that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm, yeah. I like that. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah. And maybe that difference is because connection should be healthy. If it's not, then it's more addiction, right? Because people can be addicted to one another too, to, to add relationships. Yeah. That's so I like that. Yeah. So, so what to do to just spice it up is to recognize that there are times for that comfort, consistency, that sameness. Then there are also times for excitement and newness and pushing your boundaries a little bit. And people think, Oh, I don't want to be wild. I'm like, you don't have to be wild. I said, if your idea, if kissing in front of other people is like your idea of, oh my God, that's just like so exciting. Well, 
go outside, go to a park and just make out, right? You don't do anything that can get you arrested. Just go someplace different and be like, I can't believe we're doing this and people are watching us and giggle about it and grin and let yourself blush. Oh, I, I, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? Doesn't that sound like fun? Like It does. Yeah, it really does. Yes. And so doing anything different, even if it's crazy, right? I think what happens, sadly, is that when people have affairs, they can become somebody different. They're not sort of, they're starting something new. So they're not feeling hemmed in by who they've been the past five, 10 years or what this person thinks of them. Mm -hmm. But when you're in a relationship, we're very invested in the other person's opinion of us. And that can hold us back and make us think, oh gosh, if I suggest this, if I ask for this, they're going to be upset. They're going to be disappointed. Their ego is going to be bruised or they're going to judge me. And, and we don't want to risk that. So let me, let me ask you this yeah. question. So if somebody's listening to this show and they want to spice up things in the bedroom, but they're recovering from addiction to porn or whatever, and they have this idea of something they want to try, but because they were addicted to porn, they feel like maybe, I don't know, guilty or ashamed to ask for something like that. Or um, maybe they might think that, oh, if I ask my wife to do this, she's going to think that this is just some porn thing. Do you have any, any suggestions for that situation? Yeah. So I think that goes right along with, with anybody, whether whatever their fear is that I say, we're so concerned about that phrase. That's crazy. Turn that into a good thing. I am so silly. I think get a little trophy, get a little medal. I, I literally give these out to some of my coaching clients, one little, you know, medal. And I say, now pass that back and forth. Whoever has an idea and voices it doesn't mean you actually have to want to do it. It could just be, here's this crazy thing. It, whatever. I think it's interesting. And if the person, the other person says, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, you get the medal. Literally try and top each other so that that medal is going back and forth, back and forth. And what you're doing then is you're encouraging everybody to throw, throw in all these ideas, call it brainstorming really, right? That's what we do in businesses, in workplaces. Come with your ideas. Don't filter. Don't judge them. Get them out. Get them on the table. I like that. When you have, That's fun. That's fun. I like that idea. It makes it fun. And it makes laughing, right? Even if it's, I want to go on a roller coaster and have sex. Oh, that's crazy. We die. Okay. But still, okay. That's crazy. I get the medal. Yeah. I'm not going to do it, but, but let's laugh about, well, what would it be? Who would be on top? Oh my goodness. Would people see Would the camera catch us right then? Would they get a full moon shot of somebody? Right. And just that giggling and that, that sort of just excitement just yeah. frees us up to enjoy. It, it does free you up. It, it really just lightens the mood. Whereas thinking, oh, I don't want to bring this up because she might get mad at me because this and this scenario yeah. invites those crazy ideas. I love that. I love that. Yes. And, and laughter, right? Somehow adults think that we're supposed to be cool. We're not supposed to laugh at these things and we're not supposed to blush and we're not supposed to be a little intimidated by anything. And I think that's ridiculous. So I think you should try to make your partner blush. You should like enjoy your own blush that you should feel like teenagers or young people in love again, discovering the newness. And, and with that attitude, we can be virgins at any age. We can always find something new and popping your cherries together. 
is such a great way to bond. In addition to sexy fun, it just creates an emotional safety and intimacy that is joyful and yeah, will help sustain. Making the other person person blush. Oh my gosh. That that would be pretty easy for me with my wife, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Even sending silly, dirty jokes or silly memes. It's such a fun thing. I had one client who did this in the middle of a workday. She sent her husband a ridiculously silly joke, totally inappropriate, naughty. He laughed so hard. He was like, he almost fell out of his work chair. You know, he, he just had never gotten this from his wife before. And it lit them up for like a week together. And that's just beautiful. It's wonderful. That's awesome. Beth, I obviously have a lot of guys and couples contact me that are trying to break the addiction to porn. And what would you say to the wife of the husband that, you know, he is like, you know, he's contacted me, he's, he's addressing this issue. What would you say to that? One, I feel for her. I definitely have been affected by sex addiction in the past and it is, it can be very devastating. So I'm not trying to make light of it, but I have a serious M&M addiction. Well, sweets in general, if, if I may. There is not a single part of me though that really prefers sweets to a really good, healthy meal. It's just sometimes I just keep doing it. it it's just a little dopamine thing. Mm-hmm. But I would tell the wife, I think so, so many times we're thinking we're not enough. It's about me. They don't want me enough. And, and that's the first thing I would say, you deserve to get your confidence back and to know your value and to recognize that his addiction really has nothing to do with you. You could be the most gorgeous, amazing, fantastic, successful person in the world. And that's not enough to stop anybody's addiction. I totally agree. I mean, it's almost cliche in Hollywood, you know, these actors have these drop dead, gorgeous wives and they cheat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so many people, right? Drugs and alcohol and stuff. and, And we know it's not about the people they're with. It's just some version of themselves that needs to be healed. So I would say once you can get a grip on that, and again, I know that's asking a lot and I know it's tough, but then at that point, if you can start embracing your own sexy desires and passion and letting those be okay and doing that in a healthy way, that is going to help free your partner up to also bring their desires and fantasies to you in a way where you can find a way that that works for the both of you and that you shouldn't ever feel like you're less than or worry that you are less than the porn or something that they're looking at. And, um, and then to ask for what you need, if you ever doubt it, be able to ask. What if, um, what if the wife or significant other is just really doesn't have, I know much of a sex drive anymore, not, not feeling the desire. And then the husband, you know, is initiating and, She's just not, you know, really into it and doesn't really have anything that she wants to ask for. I think then actually the difference is, again, with, with eating, if we were served the same meal over and over and over again, we would be bored with it. And we would be like, we're not really hungry. I think when it comes to sexy, yes, our hormones change. And God knows I'm 56 years old. I understand about menopause. And yet I know that every woman I've talked to who says, I don't really have any libido. Uh, I just don't want it anymore. 
And I will say, okay, who's your celebrity crush, right? Who's the hottest or real, who's the hottest guy or, or person you can think of? If that person pulled up in their fancy car and was like, get dressed up, we're going out for a night on the town and we are going to, you know, fuck like there's no tomorrow afterwards. I'm like, I don't know any woman who's like, oh no, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm mm. like, oh hell yeah, right? We're hungry Very good. for that. Very good. The great. Great. I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So we have to change it up and, and we have to recognize that if it's not, if it's BMS boring married sex, like I didn't want sexy for 23 years in my marriage. It was boring. It didn't turn me on. I wasn't getting what I needed from it. Men will often settle for an orgasm thinking that that's the whole point of sex, but it's not. And this is why, so I'm working on my second book, which is about five kinds of intimacy because there's physical, emotional, sexual, romantic, and spiritual. And in my marriage for 23 years, we had sex two or three times a week. My husband always wanted more. Afterwards, I couldn't understand. And, and he was upset because I didn't want it. And he, that's why he was like, you're frigid or boring and stuff. And that's not, but, but what I realized is he wanted more sex because what he was looking for and didn't realize was emotional intimacy. I wasn't getting any emotional intimacy. So having sex didn't give me that. So I just was happy to give up sex because I wasn't getting what I wanted either. So I think with, when you think about these five kinds of intimacy and stuff and read my book, when it comes out in January, then you learn how to fuel, right? Fueling one of those intimacy makes you crave the other ones and they all integrate. You can't substitute one for the other, just like you can't substitute sugar for protein. But once you eat a good meal, then maybe at the end, you want a little bit of a sweet, right? It just, again, the same thing with emotional, sexual, romantic intimacy. So uh, yeah, they work together that way. I think a lot of people hear the word intimacy and they think, oh, sex. Intimacy is so much more than that, right? Right. And that's, that's the thing. Even, even the experts, the therapists who have been doing this for God knows how long, they don't specify, they don't clarify intimacy well enough for anybody to actually do much with it. And that's what I'm trying to do because that logical lawyer part of my brain gets frustrated every time somebody says, oh, we haven't been intimate in a while. I'm like, well, do you share a bed? Yes. I say, that's a lot of physical intimacy. Every single night you are getting into bed. Even a king bed is still pretty small for two people. I don't want to get into bed with a stranger, right? It's too intimate for me to get into bed with a stranger. That means it's intimate. You're just ignoring. You are overlooking these other intimacies. And that's a problem because when you start appreciating all of the different ones and filling your heart and fueling love, then you start craving the other ones and stuff. So instead, what usually happens is we if sexy goes down downhill or emotional goes downhill, we end up separating from the other intimacies as well, minimizing them. We stop touching. We stop appreciating things. We just think, oh, if somebody touches us, they just want sex, blah, blah, blah. We use, we withhold one because we're not getting the other. It's just silly. So this is what I'm working to do is to clarify this so that it's very easy for couples to evaluate their relationship, each person, right? Because my version of emotional intimacy is different than yours, but they can look and say, hey, I'm only getting like a four, four out of 10 on emotional intimacy. I would like to work on that. Okay, great. 
how do you appreciate emotional intimacy? Well, I like to talk. I like to hug. I like to cry. Somebody else might say, I just like to be with you and not have to talk. I know the best way to improve intimacy in the bedroom is that for both the husband and the wife to get their cell phone out and scroll on Facebook and the other person can be on the email (laughs) at the same time. That's a great way to improve intimacy in the bedroom, right? Yes. Yes. That's, that's exactly. I say things are either a wedge, right? Nothing stays the same and everything's always in motion. So you're either getting closer or getting further apart. So it's a question of how many things you're throwing in between the two of you, dogs in bed, kids in beds, cats in beds, you know? Yeah. What would you say to a couple that one of the two is always on the cell phone and bringing the phone to bed and is on playing a game or on Facebook and that other person does want to connect, but what, 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 you have any ideas? Yes. So actually some people think you shouldn't have the TV or the cell phones in bed. I actually think go the opposite. I think sexy should be outside of bed. I think that by the time most of us, even if there's a two story house, I say by the time a woman like stands up to go upstairs to her bedroom, she's done with sexy. Like if she's not turned on, that's it. She's already thinking four steps down the road. Okay. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I can't wait. I'm going to get in bed. I'm relaxed. This is my time. And I'm, I'm done. Right. So don't, don't wait for that. Sexy needs to be sexy, fun, not just sex because sex these days is erection and orgasm. His terrible definition. I know so many wives and I'll say, when did you last have sex? Oh, we could go. Did you have fun? Ah. Did you orgasm? No, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> so let's redefine it and call it sexy fun. And again, with any health issues, ED issues, you can still have sexy fun. Sexy fun needs to build. It needs to be maintained. And if you're thinking about really intense sexy fun, I suggest it occur well before you're getting into bed um, or at least get it started. Maybe if you're busy making out and throwing things all over and the couch isn't comfortable and you're like, okay, let's go run to the bed and go, you know, go enjoy ourselves there be more relaxed. Great. But if you're thinking that you're going to start it in bed, you are fighting an uphill battle. Hmm. And I think that's where people lose all the time. And um, you don't want to just flip a switch. Even men, they can, they can flip a switch and go from, ah, I'm not thinking, but okay, I'll get hard. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But but it's not as great. Yeah. The old analogy, you know, men are microwaves and women are crockpots. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're only microwaves because they settle and they don't know what else to do. And that's ridiculous. So again, I think of like every once in a while, a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, or, or just, oh, I want to do this before I go to sleep. Great. Again, because if it's unexpected, that's a good thing. But otherwise there's so many other places and it's so much easier to keep the sexy fun, build some anticipation, warm the engine up, tease, tantalize, and, um, and then go forward. But yeah. What would you you say to the couple that, or the husband that does want to start rubbing the engines or, or getting the juices flowing earlier in the day? What practical things would you suggest that he does? Okay. So I think one very, very, very simple thing is when you give compliments to people, make them very specific. Okay. Especially the better, you know, someone, the more specific you need to make it and partners particularly. So both men and women, we all have 
a desire to be desired, to be wanted, to be seen, to be, to be made to feel cherished and special. And just saying, oh, I have the hottest wife around doesn't really do it. Just saying I have the most handsome man around doesn't, we blow those off because that's just like platitudes and we don't believe it because it's probably not actually true. And, you know, sometimes I'll tell my wife, you know, I, you know, I, I think you look really hot. Like I'll use the word hot and that does nothing for her. But like, if I say she looks pretty, she seems to like that. Yeah. So, okay. So women, we could talk about, because again, women were not taught to want to be that sex, you know, that sex, sexy person, but pretty feels like socially acceptable. But I think if you want her to understand the hot, you have to make it more specific. So if you say, I think you look really hot today because your ass in those jeans, so freaking good. All I want to do is put my hand there. Like I'm trying to be polite. I know we're in, you know, but all it's just like begging for it. Or if you just say that shade of lipstick makes your lips so incredibly, I, I want to touch them. I want to lick them. I want to visualize them sucking me, make it so specific that she knows there's, you're not bullshitting this. It is absolutely true. And give her that feeling of truly being seen and give it substance, you know, instead of it just being a quick flip. So do that. If I say, if you say, I am really missing you, right? Send her a text during the day. Be like, I am really missing you. I'm having a rough day. And the thought, if I, if you could just hug me, if you would just kiss me right now, it would make my day so much better. So I'm just pretending in my head or remember last night when you touched me there and I almost like jumped that I'm still like blushing or laughing. I'm having a hard time getting something done because I just keep replaying that in my mind. It was really hot. You can't ignore that stuff. Well, Beth, we've run out of time today, but we look forward to having you back next week. So be sure to tune in to hear part two of the interview with Beth, the sexpert. And we'll close with an old saying that says, if you keep on doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep on getting what you got. Are you struggling with porn addiction? Then schedule a free strategy call with Eric today at PowerfulEric.com or call 314-717-0377.